For those of you who are visiting us, you're in for quite a surprise. I don't do Keith. Right? Our church people know what I mean by that. I do things. What did you call it that day when you came back? You said, I have an anointing for other things or something like that. Yeah, so we'll do some other things tonight. So y'all don't be surprised. I'm famous for calling on everybody. And so uh, if you came here expecting to sit there in your chairs and just be silent, um, I've been learning with the youth for three years. And we've been having a good time. And so um, I won't embarrass you too much. Um, See how quiet they got? But uh, we'll have fun. Life is supposed to be fun. And if you're not having fun, then you're not doing it right. Okay? So uh, we're going to do some things, and uh, we're going to have some fun tonight. So uh, we'll read some scripture, I promise. Somewhere along in there, we'll find a scripture to go along with it. So uh, we'll do some things, and we'll get some word out of it. But we'll learn some things along the way. And uh, I guess I, I get bored real easy. So um, I have to do things the way that I stay interested. So um, I guess God knows that, so that's the way he teaches me. So uh, I keep things going. I can't sit still very long. So uh, for me to sit through services, it has to be very interesting. That's why God blessed me with a very interesting preacher. Because if I'd have been married to someone that was dull and boring and listened to them, oh, I don't know what I would have done. It would have just been too bad for me because I would have to be preparing my grocery list or doing something, you know. It would have just be too bad. So, But I have been fortunate and been blessed. So I want to do something tonight. We can't have a marriage meeting without doing this. So let's go ahead and do it. Where's me some microphones? Have I got a couple down here? Keith had one when he came down, and Dave's got one. Let's see here. Who's got a King James Version of the Bible? Okay, Moe's got one. Y'all turn to Ephesians 5.21. We can't talk about marriage without reading Ephesians 5.21, can we? Read to us Ephesians 5.21 through 33. And... um, Well, let's do this. Let's let Sharon read the part that says, um, you be sure and read the part where it says wives submit, and we'll let her read the part that um, husbands love. Let's do a flip. Y'all might as well get it out of your system. (laughs) Might as well get it out of your system. Go ahead and read it for us. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, 
and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. And let the wife see that she reverences her husband. Yeah, there you go. Now, who's got an amplified? We've got to do this upright. You've got a married couple back there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll go back here and let Angie in. Come on, Angie. Y'all do it upright. He's got to start out, so. Go, Trevor. Be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Wives, be subject, be submissive, and adapt yourselves to your own husbands as a service to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, himself the Savior of his body. As the church is subject to Christ, so let wives also be subject in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present the church to himself in glorious splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such things, that she might be holy and faultless. Even so, husbands should love their wives as being, in a sense, their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and carefully protects and cherishes it, as Christ does the church, because we are members, parts of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is very great, but I speak concerning the relation of Christ and the church. However, let each man of you, without exception, Love his wife as, being in a sense, his very own self. And let the wife see that she respects and reverences her husband, that she notices him, regards him, honors him, prefers him, venerates him, and esteems him, and that she defers to him, praises him, and loves and admires him exceedingly. And all the men said? Amen. All right. Now you got it out of your system real good. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else got an NIV in here? Got a married couple has got an NIV? Okay. All right. Got an NIV over here. We're going to do it the right way now. Okay? Now that y'all have got it out of your systems and you told each other what you were supposed to do, Okay, we're going to do it the way that God told us what we were supposed to do. And we're going to actually do it that we're not supposed to read each other's part. And we're going to have the husband read his part and the wife actually read her part this time. Okay, so y'all swap parts this time. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, 
and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And the wife must respect her husband. Yeah, yeah, she got that part. So you guys get the picture. We try to swap parts a lot of times, and I'm not going to focus on that anymore. We read it, okay? All right? So we did what we were supposed to do on that part. So we'll come back to that here in just a few minutes. I've got several other translations here, but only one part that I want to tell you. There was another translation that says, um, let's see, I'll have to find it here. New Revised Standard Version says on the husband's part, and I know most of the wives will want to hear this is why I'm reading it on verse 29. It says, no one ever yet hates his own body, but he nourishes it and tenderly cares for it. You wives wanted to hear that part, right? Yeah, that tenderly cares for it. So y'all keep that in mind, okay? Um, My first point is that's just what I want. Why don't they do it? Y'all got it? Y'all read the parts. That's just what I want. Why don't they do it? Some of you are shaking your heads and scared to shake your heads, the rest of you. (laughs) Some of you are sitting there like you all of a sudden are scared to move. (laughs) Or even scared to laugh. Did you get what I said? Yeah. We read the scriptures about husbands love and wives submit. That's just what I want. Why won't they do it? Because that's what happens in marriage. 98% of the time. And we can sit here all night and try to figure it out. But what most people want out of marriage, they've destroyed a lot of times. When you start dating, you have this thing called fellowship. You start out by fellowshipping you start out getting to know each other you start out spending time with each other you start out doing things together you start out going get an ice cream cone going to the park getting to know each other there's really nothing there that he knows too much about you you don't know too much about him there's nothing really hidden because you don't know anything about each other yet right Then you get to know each other a little bit. And there's still nothing really covered up. Nothing really hidden yet. Then you get married. And time goes on. And what happens to that fellowship? It disappears. Somebody said it gets bitter. It just goes away. In most marriages, there is no fellowship. Where is the time in the park? Where is the time with the ice cream cone? What happened to it? Where's the time that you spent just sitting there on the back porch just talking for hours and hours and hours? Where's the time that you could sit in a parked car on a hill 
overlooking a city or on the telephone. How many of you sat for hours and hours and hours and hours, look at the hands going up, talking on the telephone for absolutely hours about absolutely nothing? What was that, though? Fellowship. It was fellowship. You just spent time with each other. What is fellowship? I looked up the definition today. Somebody give me your ideas of fellowship, what it is. Communing. Communication. What's some other ones? Sharing. One-on-one time. Listening. That's a good one, yeah. Talking. Learning about each other. Planning a future together. Did you ever do that when you were dating? Dream about what your future would be like? About how many kids you would have, where you'd build a house, where you'd live, where you'd work, what you'd do? Fellowship, this is a definition. A condition of sharing similar interests, ideas, or experiences. A close association of sharing similar interests. A friendship. Not only am I Keith's spouse and his wife, but I sure hope I'm his friend. I don't have other people that I share things with. I don't have other people that I go to and I tell my innermost secrets about what happened today or if I'm happy about something. I don't run to Dave and tell him what I'm happy about. I run to Keith because he's my friend. That's what fellowship is about. Number four on my definitions is a relationship of mutual trust. That's what fellowship is. A relationship of mutual trust. Like-mindedness. That's what fellowship is. Now, Jill is handing out some things. And we're going to share for a few minutes about why most people don't have any fellowship. Do you want to do that? Y'all interested in that at all? And about fixing why people don't have any fellowship? I don't know about you, but I didn't have any fellowship for a while, and it wasn't fun. When Keith and I first got married, it wasn't fun because we didn't do it right. We learned some things the hard way. And um, I learned how to get back into fellowship. And anything that I learned the hard way, I like to keep people from having to learn the hard way. In the past, I've been very bad about trying to make people learn things the easy way instead of the hard way. I like to make them learn it the easy way. And that's not always good. But you like to save people the heartaches that you went through. So that's what I want to do tonight. Jill's gone around the room and she's handed out things. Don't hand them to staff members. Pass that. If you're a staff member, hand it to people that are not usually here. Don't hand it to a staff member or people that, yeah. Put them on the spot. They can visit and have fun too. Yeah, no, you have to, the first three people have to keep theirs. There's a reason for that. Yeah. They get to be put on the spot. I can pick on them. Yeah. The reason that um, 
there's not fellowship a lot of times in people's lives. Turn with me to Acts 24. And those of you that were handed the block, don't read it, don't look at it if you can avoid it. Just hang on to it. And we'll have some fun. Acts 24, verse 16. It says, And herein do I, I exercise myself to always have a conscience void of offense toward God and toward man. In other words, I have a choice that I exercise myself to keep my conscience clear of offense toward God and toward man. One reason people's marriage, not just marriages, and let me emphasize this just a minute, it's not just marriages that don't have fellowship, it's parents with their kids, it's kids with their parents. It's people, brothers and sisters. We're emphasizing marriages tonight, but it can be any relationship that you're having trouble with. We're going to emphasize the side of marriage tonight, but this will work in any relationship. One reason that people have offenses, I mean, no fellowship, is because they have offenses. And we're going to look at some of those And look at some things that we can do to avoid those things and how these things happen and you lose your fellowship. So we're going to start with doing what offenses do. Offenses actually build walls in our lives. Whether we want them to or not. They actually will build separating walls in our lives. So one of you first three, bring me one of my wall pieces. Our first wall piece is, you can just be seated when she brings it. Your spouse talks too much. You might as well laugh, it's so anyway. (laughs) We might as well have fun with this. Any of you, don't raise your hand, yeah. (laughs) Because you might have to spend the night in the same house with them tonight. Keith can literally raise his hand on this one. Because I tell off on myself. You'll learn that about me real quickly. When we first got married, I entirely would talk too much. I mean, I don't talk nearly, and that's amazing, I know, as much as I used to talk. And uh, bless his heart, we'd get in the car to go home from someplace, and he'd say, Phil, I know you didn't mean to say that, but did you know you said this? And I'd go, I did? And you talk so much in the multitude of words, there wanteth not what? And so many times, what happens is, guys, correct me if I'm wrong, you won't even say anything. You'll just get what? Embarrassed, offended, and quiet. Is that right? And so what does it do? A little piece. Puts a little piece there of a wall. And it starts a what? A no fellowship. And maybe somebody doesn't even know why. Because you don't even talk about it. It just puts a little piece there of a separation. 
So something was said. Somebody talked too much. Wives talked too much. Husband talked too much. Maybe the husband said, my wife's too fat. Embarrassed her. Maybe she doesn't say anything, just hurt her feelings. Maybe he said, my wife's not a good cook. Maybe she laughed about it, but it hurt her feelings. Caused a little bit of a separation there. Put a little piece of a wall there. Caused an offense. Hurt somebody. Didn't mean to, or you thought it didn't mean to, but you still did it. In the multitude of words, there wants not offense, too. Okay, somebody else got another piece? We can't spend too much time on all these pieces. I think you'll get the picture. Kim's got a piece. All right, Kim, what are you tonight? Oh, Kim spends too much money. (laughs) Kim, Kim. Goes out shopping. Says it really only costs this much when it really costs this much. Money problems. Should have paid this, but took the money and spent it on this. Agreed to do this with the money, but took it and did this with the money. Money problems. Said we were going to do this with it, but did this with it. Not in agreement about what's happening with it. So then therefore, you're in debt over your ears and eyeballs And not even discussing it. Decided we were going to get out of debt, but didn't. Went into more debt. And can't even talk about it. So we have money problems. And we won't even talk about the money problems. We just keep sliding them underneath the rug. And they keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Because we won't ever sit down and plan a budget or look at our bills. We just keep getting them bigger and bigger. So what is that doing? Building up a wall. Building up another piece of our wall here. Okay? Dan, what kind of problems you got, bud? (laughs) He won't keep a job. (laughs) Dan the man won't keep a job. He'll get a job, get mad on the job, quit it. Can't pay his bills. There he goes. Hooked in with the money problems. Work a few days. Don't like his boss because he's got some F-L-E-S-H that he won't put under control. So he won't pay his B-I-L-L-S, so he's got money problems. But he and his wife can't talk about it. So are we, how's our fellowship going right now? Is there some tension going on? Would there be anything that you might come home and you try to talk about some stuff and a little bit of tension, you not even know why? You try to have some fellowship and somebody snap at somebody? Because you won't talk about the problems. Nobody's going to talk about the problems. We're just going to slide them underneath the rug. So we're just going to snap at the kids or kick the dog. Because we won't talk about our problems. We're just going to build this nice, neat little fellowship thing between us and go have an ice cream cone and talk about. That's when 
You can no longer talk about your future. You can no longer talk about good things. You can no longer talk about vision. And not only what's happening then is you've lost your fellowship with your spouse, but you've lost your fellowship with God because you're now condemned. And you can't hear from God. If God said, go over here and get a job, you couldn't even hear it because you're too condemned to go boldly to the throne of grace. So you don't have any fellowship with your wife, and you don't even have any fellowship with God. But you've got a glorious marriage. Or so you portray to everyone around you. Everybody thinks you do. And all the while, you're building up this wall. Oh, but you have some wonderful sex at night, so everything's okay. All the while, we've got kids that are going crazy in children's church because everything's great at home because we're building up this nice little fellowship wall here. Okay? Who's got another piece that they want to tell us about? David's afraid over here. All right, David, what kind of problems you got? Oh, boy. David is a flirt. He didn't want to tell anybody, but the cat's out of the bag. Jill passed these out, just in case y'all are wondering. He'll love her forever. And uh, his wife don't know it, but... um, he comes in, he flirts with everybody there, you know, flirts with everybody here, and everything's great at home, though. But he's been on the job all day long, flirting with everybody. Flirting with everybody he can see on the Internet. Oh, we don't just have flirting now on the job. We now have flirting websites, and they teach us how to do it on the news. We can flirt. 24 hours a day, seven days a week now. Sight unseen. But we have good fellowship. But we don't have any problems. We can come to church on Sunday morning and hold hands and praise and worship God and have wonderful fellowship with God. We don't have to fix anything. And we can have a good marriage. No, at this point in time in our lives, things are getting pretty bad. And the flirting could real quickly become pretty serious when you've got all these other things going on in your life. And it could become real quickly more than just flirting in your lives. It could become someone paying attention to you in your lives. Let's see the next puzzle piece. Or wall piece. There we go. Oh, what a good one to come up next. She's going to go ahead and do it. She's going to go ahead and go past the flirting and she's going to have the affair. Because my husband is not paying attention to me at home. He doesn't care about me. 
Never mind you that I have been talking too much about him to all my girlfriends and telling all of his faults and telling that he quit his job and he won't keep a job and telling that he don't know how to spend his money and he blows all of our money on everything that we have and that he flirts with everybody and I've been gossiping about my husband to every one of my girlfriends and he has no respect for me. He's lost all of his respect for me. Never mind that part. That's why he doesn't talk to me. Never mind the part that he asked me to do a couple of things. And I've, for some reason or another, I forgot exactly what he asked me to do. But I can remember what this fellow asked me to do. Oh, I can remember it ever so because he's so cute. (laughs) Because he'll give me just exactly what I want. For five minutes. Till the new wears off. Till he has to commit to something. Till he has to pay your bills. We were in the airport the other day. No, it wasn't in the airport. Where were we? We actually, oh yes, I remember it. It was too good. (laughs) Let me daydream a minute. We were actually coming back from Grand Cayman. Oh. (sighs) And actually, we were coming back through customs, was it? And my sweet, wonderful husband, he loves the way I pack. That's my face confession. I pack like the Ten Wise Versions. I take the mic needs. And um, I have scripture for it. Keith says, Phyllis, that's out of context. I try to make it work, though. But anyhow, when we got there, the lady... At Customs says, you must remove everything from the airplane that you had taken with you on the trip. So we did. No, we didn't. He did. And he looks at me. He says, Phil, that's why I tell you to try to pack lighter. I say, yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. So we go inside. And, I mean, we've got this cart. They don't go through anything. They just make him unload everything. Okay. And the lady is there. She is a beautiful lady. She reminded me of Queen Latifah. She's just beautiful, beautiful lady. And she's standing there, and her and I, he's got to go back out to the airplane for something else. I mean, he's coming and going, and her and I are just standing there having this wonderful conversation, you know. And he comes back in there, and it's hot, and he's having to do all this stuff, and we're just having this jolly conversation. And... uh, she says something about, and I, I responded to something she said, and I said, yeah, that's why he says, Phil, you really need to pack lighter because we have to haul all this stuff. And she responds to him something like, yes, but didn't she look marvelous? And he didn't answer her quite quickly enough. <laughs> now, this is the lady that determines whether we get back into the country or not. And she goes, I didn't hear you. (laughs) And uh, 
He says, oh, yes, she did. <laughs> yes, sure, she did. And I said, yes, I did. And, uh, or something, to, she says, until she put her robe on or something to that effect. And I said, no, that's not what bothers him. It's when I smear all that white stuff on my face. That's when it really bothers him, you know. And uh, she goes, oh, yes, I know. So anyway, we're having this wonderful conversation. You thought I lost my place. Back to the affair. Y'all forgot what I was talking about. He's going to love you till you smear that white stuff all over your face. You got it? Everything's going to be cool and fine and dandy till you become yourself. You got it? Everything's going to be wonderful with this affair till you become who you are. And not this picture of who he wants you to be in this affair. So you've had this affair. And what happens? Here we go. What's happening to our fellowship? Do we have any? Okay. Oh, we got problems with our marriage. But we're still married. We're still married. Or say we didn't quite have the affair of the other member. We just spend a lot of one-on-one time with the opposite sex. We just sit around with them in their office and talk to them for extended hours or talk to them on the telephone for long, long periods of time. But we're not having the affair because we, they're easy to talk to. I can talk to them about my problems. They understand me. They'll listen. You don't listen. They listen. That's how you wind up there. That don't just happen overnight. You wind up there by doing this and that. So we've got another piece in our wall. Do you understand how you don't have fellowship? Now, how is your fellowship going with God during this time? But you're still reading your Bible, right? Yeah, probably. You're still praying? Yes, sometimes. Let's get another piece. We got several of them out there. We got several to go. My time's ticking, ticking, ticking. Oh, uh oh, he's over there. Yeah. Yeah. What about the weight issue? I can't talk about that one too much. That was one of the things that I had trouble with for so many years. Stayed overweight, didn't deal with it, fought it. Didn't want to deal with it. Defended it like it was me. Didn't want to talk about it. Would rather have it than fellowship. Uh Uh-oh. Would rather have the excess weight than the fellowship. Whether it's too little or too big. Whether it's for health reasons or not. It can become an issue. And it can become a sore spot in people's marriage to where they can't even talk about it anymore. So what does it do? It builds another wall piece. Okay, we got another one. Okay, oh. I won't even say it. Jeremy? Is it true, Marianne? 
lazy. The couch potato remote control grabbing woman. Preach it. Go, Gaines. Tell me. Yeah. Preach it. That woman that will not get up from that sofa and fix her own food, but expect somebody to wait on her hand and foot and bring her that sandwich and won't do anything and pick up after themselves. That's enough said. <laughs> that woman. <laughs> That woman, oh, the sore spot, the yours, mine, and ours in today's society. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. It's no longer just your kids anymore. It's the ex's kids. And you spend too much time with the ex because of the kids. Oh, And then that jealousy horn comes out. (laughs) And you do more for your ex-kids than I do for my kids and the kids. Or you're too easy on the kids. I ground them and you let them out. (laughs) Or I tell them, no, they can't have it. And you tell them, yes, they can. Hey, I hear it all. I got you, kids. Mama says, no, you can't go, so I go to Daddy. Daddy says, no, you can't have ten bucks, but Mama says, yes, you can. Uh Uh Mama wears the britches, Daddy don't. The kids ain't dumb. They know who they've got one. And they know who to play. And they know who they've got wrapped around their fingers. And they know that they run the house. The kids. And they are famous for running the house. Okay? Okay, now he gets to come down. Oh, oh, he's got one too, buddy. He's got a past. And all that baggage he brought with him from that last marriage. And all the things we didn't discuss. We chose not to discuss it. But it's still there. And I wonder about it when I lay in the bed at night. Are things that happened that I never told him about. Things we never dealt with. Things that I've done. Things that I've said. Things that I've taken. Things that happened. Stolen kisses. Best friend things. Oh, they're in the past. But they were never discussed. Any one of these things by itself can build a wall. You put all these things together, they can build a fortress. Let's keep going. We got some time here. I'm not even looking at my watch, so I'm going to pull a Keith tonight. (laughs) Come on, Jack. Oh, and this is Jack to the core. Yeah, he's this way. 
He is Mr. Negative. He never has anything positive to say. Everything that goes on, he finds the negative in it. You never can find anything good to say about anybody. You never can find anything good to say about the job, the kids, the house, the money. We got bills to pay. Instead of getting the good confession, you're going to pull with the negative side. Instead of saying that we can make it, we're going under. Somebody's always having to pull you up. Somebody's always having to reach down and grab you up. Doesn't matter how much word you got in you, somebody is always having to pull you along. You're like a vacuum cleaner. Always sucking on somebody. Always wanting somebody else to do it for you. Can never do anything for yourself. Somebody else has always got to be the one feeding you. Somebody has always got to be the one spiritually giving it to you. Or you're going to be negative. You cannot do it on your own. You've got to have somebody always jacking you up. When you wake up in the morning, it's always a bad day. Keith had a boss that way one time. He'd hit his wife and kick his dog and everything else. What will that do to a spouse? Will they talk to you about it? What will they eventually do? What will they eventually do to you? Turn to Genesis real quickly. And we'll get some more of these. Genesis 3. When people mess up, what is their natural tendency to do? Blame someone else, but something else too. Look at Genesis and then we'll talk about it. Genesis 3 verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. What did they do to God? They pulled back. What do you have a tendency to do when you mess up? With someone, you'll pull back. What did Peter do? I was reading today about Peter, and when Jesus appeared to him in his boat after he um, rose from the dead, Peter grabbed his clothes and jumped in the water. You have a tendency to pull back when you mess up. What's happening in people's marriages? Are they fellowshipping? They're becoming roommates. They're not becoming husband and wife, falling in love with each other, having a marriage, a covenant. They're glorified roommates having sex. They don't have a marriage. They're roommates allowed to have sex. Not married. That's not a marriage. Let's look at a couple of other things. And then we'll do something totally different. Who's got some more? Come on. Come on. Come on. Does any of these apply to the neighbors outside? (laughs) Oh, I know this is not him. 
We won't blame him for this. Lies. Lies. Some people lie for the sake of lying. Some people lie before they know that they've lied. They just open their mouth and they lie. Lies can be one of the most damaging things to a marriage that you can ever have. You can go 20 years and tell the truth to people and then tell them a lie and they catch you in that lie and they could, it's almost, can they trust you again? It's really hard to build back trust once you've lied to someone. Lies can destroy your fellowship with people, much less your spouse. Lies are the most damaging thing. Lies can turn to Psalms 119, verse 128. Now, this is God talking. This isn't me talking. This is God talking. It says in Psalm 119, 128. Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all the things to be right. And I what? Every false way. Turn to Proverbs 6, 16. Proverbs 6, 16. These six things doth the Lord hate. Hate is a strong word. And the Lord himself says he hates them. Seven are an abomination to him. A proud look. A what? A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked imaginations. Feet that are swift in running to mischief. And then he goes on and says it again in 19. A false witness that speaks what? Lies. And he that sows discord among the brethren. And I put down our husband or wife. Is your husband or wife a brethren? Are they saved? Would they be considered a brethren? Are you sowing discord among your brethren in your household? You got quiet. Are you sowing discord among your brethren if you're sowing discord in your household? Yes. Does God hate it? Absolutely he hates it. So what does he do with lying? He hates it. And so what does it do to our marriage? Builds another piece in the wall. It's getting pretty much to where in our marriage we come in and we say, Hi, you taking the kids? I'm taking the kids. I'll see you back here for dinner. i got to go to work. I'll see you back here. You ever seen marriages like that? No fellowship at all. They go through the routines of their day. They look for excuses to stay at work. They see how long they can stay at work so they do not have to come in contact with each other. 
They don't look for time to be at home with each other. They look for time to do other things to avoid each other. That's about what you have here. Okay, we got some more pieces. Who's ever got some other ones? We might want to get them close by so we can wind this up so we can do the other side. We got another side. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, no, surely not. Look at her. She's covering her face. Can y'all see what this says? She's been internetting with the porn stars. This has become a real issue in our society today. And you know why that is? Is because people are convinced no one will know that I'm doing it. But you know what? There's someone much more important than your spouse knowing. There's someone much more important than me knowing, or Keith knowing, or Dave knowing, or any person sitting next to you knowing. God knows. And not only that, there's someone as valuable as God knowing is your heart. And it will condemn your heart and keep you from receiving anything that you're believing for from God. Porn will destroy your married life. It will destroy everything you want in your marriage. Destroy it. There's no other way to put it. It will destroy it. Because there is nothing out there but what the devil put out there. And he is the father of lies. And nothing he ever invented was any good. And if you want good... You go to God. He invented good. And anything else is of the devil. So this is a major brick in the wall to destroy your marriage. Okay, we got another piece. Uh Uh-oh, we did this one a little earlier with the money stuff, kind of, the overspending stuff. We went into it a little bit with the money. Overspending. They call it like gamblers. I mean, it's really an issue now. You understand that? It's kind of like the other. That they, now society doesn't call anything our flesh anymore. It all has to have medical or scientific conditions for it. Nothing is your flesh anymore. Nothing is putting your flesh under. It all has a medical or scientific condition. But all it is is your F-L-E-S-H and not controlling it. And not spending enough time with God and the Word. Nothing that can't be controlled by doing that. Okay? So the overspending thing will destroy your marriage. Because what happens is you wind up stealing from each other. And other people. You'll steal on the job. You know, if you borrow something intending to pay it back and it's not yours, you're stealing. If you borrow from the petty cash drawer at work and you intend on paying it back and it wasn't yours to begin with, that's called stealing. And people have gone to jail for that sort of stuff. That's what happens with overspenders. Next piece, please. That's enough said about that. I think y'all got the picture on it. Oh. The take charge woman. 
or the won't take charge man. Whichever way you want to put it. The husband is the head of the house, but he won't take charge. So the wife takes charge. But you won't talk about it. It's gone on so long that we can't even discuss it anymore. He won't take charge and take his responsibilities, so I have to do them. She takes charge, so therefore, I don't even want to deal with it anymore. I'd rather just give in, which is not fun. It's not fun to take responsibility for your position and place and, and do your job. But everybody has their place. We just read Ephesians 5. Okay? The husband is the head. The wife is supposed to submit. Didn't say husbands beat your wife. Any of that stuff. We'll get into some more of that in a minute. Okay. So we now have this wonderful, terrific wall. And we now have what's called separation. Where 95% of marriages are, I would say. Most people live in the same house, but they're not fellowshipping. They rarely talk to each other. I cannot even see Jill on the other side of this wall. She's not there. Is that a good reason? <laughs> I can't see Don. I can't see Delana. I can't see anybody on the other side of this wall. I'll put it that way. Jill left me. Where did she go? But you understand what I'm saying. You cannot see the other person. You can't see their good side. You can't see their bad side. You can't see anything about them. And the worst part about it is you've lost all care to. And that's where most people are. They've lost all desire to want to make it work. They've lost the want to. They've lost the desire to want to have any more fellowship. We've got used to this. This is where we are. Why upset the apple cart now? You know, we've kind of got used to our routine. Let her do her thing. She runs the house, and I'll just sit back and let it go the way that it is. You know, we're 50 years old. You know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Like he says, we ain't old dogs. We're new creatures. But if you want to have the best and you want to have what God set for us, there are ways. Are you interested? That's a pretty good size wall, don't you think? Well, most people will do lots of things. Turn to Matthew 10.26. But these are some really good scriptures that you probably need to know in regards to these things. Fear them not, therefore, for there is what? Nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. You ever thought you had something hid real good and it come out and bit you? You thought you had it covered real good? Mark 4.22 says pretty much the same thing. It's in most of the Gospels, this, this worded differently. 
For there is nothing hid that shall not be made manifest, neither is there anything kept secret, but that should come abroad. In other words, it's coming out. If not here and now, it's coming out then and later. It's better than it come out here and now and get fixed. My number two point. We got to number two. Oftentimes, people will do a hundred thousand different things to avoid fixing the one thing they know is the problem. Have you ever seen people that have messed up, like a little kid? They'll mess up, and what will they do? Come run and kiss you? You ever seen them do that? Or a husband mess up and bring you flowers? You've seen it on TV. You know, I'm not talking about anybody in here. Are people that mess up and they get real clingy? They just get around you and they just try to show you how wonderful you are and how great you are because they've messed up? They're trying to prove to you how wonderful you are because they've messed up? Go overboard with how wonderful you are so that you don't see their mess-ups? You ever seen that? They buy you things and they give you things and they flatter you and they do things for you all the time to keep from doing the one thing that would make the relationship better. And what is that? Fess up. Talk about the problem. That's what I would do with Keith. See, I told you I'd tell you my secrets. I would refuse to lose weight. Don't talk to me about my weight. Don't go there. This is my weight. You should like me just the way that I am. But truth was, I'd say, if you loved me, you'd love me just the way that I am. Truth was, if I loved him, I'd do it for him. Say, oh, me. You're not saying, okay. That was the truth. So what I would do is I would do a 100,000 other things to try and compensate for that one thing. I would cook. And I would clean, and I would wash, and I would run, and I would stay up half the night, and I would do everything under the sun except for lose weight. So I didn't have to deal with that. Don't talk to me about that. I am the perfect wife. Leave me alone. But I wasn't. Because I could recall the only thing he asked me before we got married. And he might not want me to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you anyway was never get big. That was the only thing he asked me before we got married. Only thing. We were 15 years old probably. 14 maybe. I don't know. It mattered to him. And I was this big around. So why did he have to think I was going to get big? I mean, I probably wore a size minus four (laughs) when he told me that. But that was the only thing he ever asked of me in our whole lifetime. Other than that, you talk about a person that believed in somebody. 
I have got a husband that believed in me when I never believed in myself. Talk about encouraging me. Talk about there for me. Talk about, I mean, from the time I have been 14 years old, has been there for me day and night, night and day. Everybody else in the whole wide world could let me down. He has been solid rock. He has been my friend. He's been my spouse. He's been, I have let him down so many times. I can't tell you the times I've let him down. But he has never let me down. Never. One time. Always, Phil, you can do it. Sweetheart, you can do this. You've made a mountain out of a molehill. This is easy. You can do this. Encourager beyond encouragers. I mean, solid as a rock, non-changing, always there, always faithful, never running, never hiding from problems. And I don't know where I'd been without it. Out some crazy place in the whole wide world. Taught me everything I know. But he did not, thank God, let me hide from things. We did not hide from things. We did not let ourselves get to where we would build walls and let them stay forever. To where we had a roommate relationship instead of a marriage. No, it wasn't fun and no, it wasn't easy because I was the rebellious one and I would fight. And I'd say, I don't want to deal with it. And I would get mad. But the smart one would say, if we don't, what kind of relationship are we going to have? Do you want to be roommates or do you want to have a marriage? And we'd learn to deal with it. It's not easy dealing with difficult situations. It never is. It's not easy dealing with your kids when they're rebellious. It's not easy dealing with situations that you don't like. But it is worth it in the end. It's worth every moment of the trouble that you have to talk things out. It's worth every moment of lost sleep when you do deal with them. The Bible says never let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, deal with it before you go to bed that night. Wake in the morning knowing that you're there for each other and that you love each other. Be assured that you don't know that tomorrow morning that person is going to wake up with you. So... Let's do this. They buy you flowers. They send you candy. They love on you. They kiss you. They tell you how much they love you. But notice that wall is still there. So how do we get the wall down? Look at some things. 1 Samuel 15. Some people would rather do anything than deal with the situation. There's some scriptural stories about it, so we might as well have one. I told you I'd give you scriptures for some of this stuff, so here's some more. 1 Samuel 15, verse 2. It says, The Lord of hosts said, I remember that Amalek did to Israel how he had laid wait for him in the way when they came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and what? Utterly destroy All that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. What does verse 2 say? Thus says who? 
What did he say do? Destroy everything. Now, is that confusing? Is there any confusion there? Okay. What happens in verse 14? Samuel says, What means this bleeding of sheep in my ears and the lowing of oxen which I hear? And what does Saul say? They have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice them to you, Lord. And the rest we've utterly destroyed. So, God, we did just what you said, but we spared the very best to give you an offering. Because we knew that's what you'd want us to do. What about what he said do? What does that matter? Well, look down in verse 22. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of the ram. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. So what does all the flowers and all the lovey-dovey and all the kisses and all that stuff mean? Hiding something sometime, right? To obey, to fix it. Is better than sacrifice. Well, let's look at John 8.32 and get some things fixed. Y'all ready for that? I'm ready for it. I don't like walls. I don't like them between me and my husband or me and my staff. My staff will tell you, if they've done something wrong, I mean I get to them almost as quick as I can. Or if I've done something wrong to them, I find them quick as I can. And we get it fixed. There's no place for walls. It's an open door for the enemy. Keith told us a long time ago, strife is the manifest presence of the devil. So the devil is present in a lot of households. Ouch. So let's don't be a Saul and rather offer sacrifices better than obeying. John 8, 32. Real simple. Everybody could quote it. You should know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Now, it didn't say telling the truth was easy. But you should get yourself a marker and say, for me, telling the truth is easy. And it's going to get easier and easier. Cleaning out the cobwebs and straightening out the past is going to be easy for me. And you should start confessing it. And start saying it over yourself. I think it was probably one of the hardest things I ever did in my life. Was to come clean with Keith about everything that I had ever lied about. And ever did. And ever said. And ever. I mean big things. Little things. Straightened out things. I mean whatever it was when we first got married. And tore down whatever separating walls that there was between us and started a foundation that we could build on. 
But it was the smartest thing that we ever did for our marriage. Because I didn't want a roommate. I wanted a husband. I could live with a girl and have a roommate. I didn't want a roommate. I wanted a husband. Turn to Romans 2, verse 8. But unto them that are contentious. Now, some of you already don't like this, but here you go. But unto them that are contentious. And do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation, and anguish upon every soul that does evil. To the Jew first and also to the Gentile. But, get that next part. Glory and honor and peace to every man that works good. To the Jew first and to the Gentile. Proverbs 28:13. Jill, how about you passing out these blocks again for me? He that covers his sins what? Shall not prosper. But he that confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. So what's the opposite of shall not prosper? You will prosper. If you confess your sins, what will happen? You will prosper. So now we're going to find out the other side of this. Are you ready? People live in an unrealistic world. They think that they're stronger spiritually than they really are. Some of these things that we told about on this stuff, like the porn stuff, they think that I can just decide that I'm not going to look at porn anymore. No, you're not going to look at porn anymore. You get rid of your TV. Amen. You get rid of your Internet. Amen. You get rid of it. Do you understand? Yes. You don't have to have it for a season. Yeah, well, I just watch preaching on it. Yeah, and you kid yourself. For a season, you may have to do without some things. Well, I'm not going to flirt anymore. I'm just going to make a decision. I'm not going to flirt anymore. Yeah, well, you may need to change jobs. Well, I'm not going to be over familiar with that boy or girl anymore. Well, yeah, it's time that you uproot yourself and you move from that position. People kid themselves about how strong they are. What did Joseph have to do when he was in Potiphar's house? He ran literally out of his coat. People think that they can sit and watch TV and soak in all this world sexual stuff and all this TV stuff. I mean, I watch Disney. Anybody that knows me knows that that's all I watch is Disney. I mean, that's all I because anything else is not fit to watch and some Disney is not fit to watch. So, you know... Um, I, I don't watch I don't like violence. I don't like all this other stuff. And I can watch a couple of movies of Disney and I think, you know, that's too much. You know, because you begin to see, you get snappy with people or you get irritated more or you get, and if you're not even recognizing those things in yourself, then you're already too far. Because most people don't live in a realistic world as to where their flesh is. 
Because it's like Keith's been teaching on growing up spiritually. If you think you're here, back down a few steps. Because we're not as strong spiritually as we think we are. How long can you go without eating? I'll put it this way. How long do you like to go without eating? A couple hours. Yeah. A couple hours. How long do you go without reading your Bible? Some people forget to read their chapters. It's just one little chapter. So how can you stay built up spiritually if you forget to read your chapter? And you deal with all the crud that we have to deal with in the world. You kid yourself to think that you're that spiritual. We can't be. We must do something to help ourselves. That's why we pray in the Spirit and that's why we read our Bibles. I mean, we must do it on a more regular basis in order to help ourselves overcome these things. But if we're not going to do that, then we must be smart enough to know, change jobs, get rid of our TV, do the other things also to be smart enough to save our marriages. If you're not going to read your Bible. Okay, let's start doing the things from the natural also, and we are going to start making the confessions. Say we've started making our confessions. Who's got some of the things? Let's look at the sides. Bring back down here the puzzle pieces. Somebody bring one back down here. Keith and I couldn't uh, just tear our wall down when I built it uh, with um, just a little sledgehammer or even a jackhammer. Any of you that live around here, you wake up in the morning time and you feel your whole house shaking. Yeah, and uh, you, uh, you know it's not an earthquake. It's dynamite. They're blowing this rock up around here. Well, that's what just happened to this wall. Okay, we blew it away because he just confessed about his porn. But he got rid of his TV. He got rid of his Internet. He told his wife about the porn. She told him about the porn. Whatever the situation was. And so because of that, there became some other things in their life. It said, you shall prosper if you confess your sin and you forsake it, you'll have mercy. So some things happen here. Because we did that, we're going to start doing some things here. And we're going to see what happens to us as we do it. We're going to start having some other things. We're going to have some confession for our life. We're going to have substitute some, get rid of some porn that's been eating our lunch and destroying us. We're going to have some long life. And we're going to start changing our life now. Okay? Who's got another one? All right? Here comes Mr. Lazy. We should have given that one to a lady for sure. Because, you know, there's no, you know. And uh, he's confessed it and he says, I'm not going to be lazy and I'm going to do some helping stuff and I'm going to do some things. And so he's traded that laziness and God said for that laziness, I'm going to give you some protection. He's confessed it and they've worked it out and God says, I'm going to give you some protection for that. So he's traded that and he's got some protection now. All right, who's got another one? Oh, Jones quit spending now. Give her a hand. She quit that overspending. Yay. That's a hard thing to overcome, but she did it. And glory to God 
for the overspending. She got under control. God bless her. She's got lots of cash now. Yes, yes, she got it under control and she's got lots of cash now. Lots of cash now. Okay, she was a take charge and no take charge. And so far that, they, God's prospered them and brought them out of some situations. And they're not fussing and fighting anymore. And he's turned some things around and prospered them. And they've got some new cars now. How about that? Yep, they've got some new cars now. All right, who's got another one? You see what's happening in their lives? The strife's leaving, the wall's leaving. Things are happening in their lives. Things are turning around. And this person, oh, got rid of their lies. That was a hard thing to get rid of. They got rid of their lies. And for their lies, they got something very important. They got some wisdom, which is very valuable in your life. They got some wisdom. All right, who's got another one? There we go. He told all about his past. He cleaned the slate, wiped it clean. They cried for a month once they did it. But once they got past it, they didn't have to talk about it anymore. It was good and it was clean. They had clear hearts and they didn't have to wonder anymore. It was done and it was over with. And they got that canary diamond they'd been believing for. (laughs) Yes, sir. That was worth it. It was hard, but I'm telling you, it was worth it when they got that diamond they was believing for. All right. She quit being negative or he quit being negative. They quit being negative. They didn't have to have that vacuum cleaner suction pump on themselves anymore. Somebody pumping them up every morning when they got up. Somebody building them up. They got some confidence. Self-confidence. They built their ministry up. They were able to be confident and go into the ministry. Do what God called them to do. Because they had their own confidence now. Nobody was building them up all the time. Let's see. Let's turn this one like this so that y'all can see the, the good parts. Y'all don't have to see the bad. Well, then y'all see them. Anyway, somebody's going to see the bad part. They can handle it, can't they? Yeah. Yeah. They won't be negative. Somebody got another one. Y'all come on down. Come on, Keith. What was you? Oh, those kids of yours, they're a mess, aren't they, I tell you what, Keith, but you, y'all got control over it. I believe you and Jennifer, y'all got it together. Y'all stayed with me in youth. Y'all learned lots of stuff, didn't you? I tell you, yeah, okay. Y'all got it. All right. Okay. But because of the kids situation that they got together, the Lord blessed them and they procreated and had more kids. Glory to God. Yes, 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 yes. Glory to God. What a blessing that was. Yay! Go, Jennifer! (laughs) We didn't know about that, but we're so glad to hear it. What a blessing. Yes, yes, yes. Who's got some more? Doug, you got one too? Yeah. Come on. (laughs) All right. All right. And he quit having affairs and told his wife all about them. (laughs) Glory to God. Shout about it as you go back up the hill. No more affairs. Yeah. Yeah. He's so glad about it. And... So because of no more affairs, he's had some really wild kids that was on drugs. They were going crazy. They were spending all his money, but no longer. They're no more spastic. He's got some kids that are under control. I'm telling you, that's worth something. Hey, that is worth something. Your prayers are being answered. Things are happening in your life. 
No more spastic kids. When you've been having to deal with that for a long time, that's a good thing. Oh, Doug, that flirting thing's behind you forever. Y'all disgusted. Glory to God. He even tore it up. Yeah. Yeah. He made sure it was behind him. And so because of that, he and Denise now have very strong minds. I'm telling you, their minds will be strong till the day they die. They don't have to wonder if they can have Alzheimer's or any other of those diseases that people say that you have when you get older. They're going to have strong minds forever. So that's going to be a good thing here. I'll turn this one so nobody doesn't have to see that flirting issue anymore. Who's got another one? All right. Oh, that talking too much will get to you, but y'all dealt with it, right? You talk good about your wife's cooking now, don't you? Yeah. And so he likes himself now. So he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him because he likes himself. So he can build up others because he likes himself. He don't have to have somebody building him up all the time. All right. So who's got another one? Oh, and he got his money under control. He pays his bills. The IRS is not after him. The bill collectors are not going to come to repossess his stuff. He doesn't have to worry about people come and take everything he's got. And because of that, he now has houses. Houses. Because he's got his money under control. He's got his money stuff in hand. He now has. They dealt with it. Him and his wife talked about it. They learned how to deal with it. They weren't afraid to deal with it. It's a fear to be afraid to deal with it. Okay? Who's got another one? Oh, and he kept a job for a change. Glory to God. He kept his job. And because he kept his job, I know one time we were dealing with a situation, Keith was actually, and the Lord told him, this person was spastic, and uh, the Lord told him, tell him to keep a job and go to church, and his life would turn around. Now, that's pretty simple instruction, isn't it? I mean, if you think it's not important, you're wrong. God cares about those kind of things, you know. But this person kept a job, and they got their health back. Health and healing for the rest of their days. I mean, that's a good thing. Health. Glory to God. How many do I have here, Dave? Do I have another one out there? Is that it? No. Too close to the opposite sex. They got all that fixed, and uh, they're doing good. They dealt with all that. Oh, and they got them some motorcycles, and they weren't Harleys either. (laughs) They got some that would actually start because they were not Harleys. (laughs) They got their weight issues under control. They dealt with it. They weren't afraid of it. And they reached all their goals, their list, their vision list. Everything came to pass for them. I'm telling you what. I'm telling you, and I think, is this all my pieces, Jill? All right. I don't know if you can see down here what I've done. Get a camera down here so you can put it on the screen, guys, what we've done down here. And turn with me to a scripture. I got so excited when I saw this today. It just made me get a little bit excited. And you might want to wear, like Brother Hagen says, your shouting clothes now. You got some shouting clothes? People talk about Job and how bad things were for him. But I got excited when I saw this today. You see, all these things, we tore down that wall and we did something else with that wall. Because we tore down that wall, Keith and I 
tore down that wall and we built something around ourselves. We tore down the wall of strife and bitterness and anger and hatred and all the things that were going on in our marriage distrust and all the bad things that were going on and look at Job 1 verse 10 look at it and get ready to shout the devil is hot he's fire mad and he's talking to God and he's asking God a question Now, this is the devil talking to God. Listen to what he asked him. He said, God, have you not made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he has on every side? And have you not blessed the work of his hands and his substance and increased his land? Oh, who's got it amplified? Put it up on the screen. Have you not put a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? Have you conferred prosperity and happiness upon him? And the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land? Listen to the Living Bible. We've got it. Put it up there, guys. Job 1.10. This is the devil talking to God. You always protected him and his home and his property from harm. You prospered everything he does. Look how rich he is. No wonder he worships you. What happened to that wall? The wall is gone. In our life. Because we talked about it. We had to tear it down ourselves. Nobody could do it for us. We had to go through the pain of talking about it. No, it wasn't easy. No, it wasn't fun. Yes, it hurts your flesh. Yes, it hurts your pride. And some stuff is so old, you think, God, why do I have to bring it up? It's just going to hurt their feelings. They're not strong enough to take it. It's worth it. It's worth all the things that you get back because of it. Because if you don't do it, you have no confidence toward God. If you don't do it, you don't have a hedge about you. You don't have the protection about you. Your family's not protected. Your kids are not protected. Your life is not protected. All the things you want. People look at us and they say, why are you so blessed? Why did you get a church like that and it just explode the way that it did? Because you're so wonderful? No. Because we had to tear down that wall way back there or we'd be divorced today. 
If we wouldn't have torn down this wall that was between Keith and I way back 15, 20 years ago, we would be divorced today. There would be no marriage meeting going on right now to tell you about this hedge that will show you what to do in your life to keep things from happening to you and how to be protected. And that you put a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side. You, God, have conferred prosperity and happiness upon him and upon the work of his hands and all his possessions and have Increased him in the land. You, God, have done that. Now, is God a respecter of persons? If he will do it for Job and he will do it for Keith and Phyllis Moore, will he do it for you? But what do you have to do? You got to get that wall down. And I don't care if it's just one piece in that wall that's starting to build the wall or you have to take the dynamite and blow it down. Don't be roommates. Tear down the complete wall. Get the hedge built around yourself. Turn with me to Proverbs and then we'll close. Proverbs 4, verse 20. Let's read it from the Amplified. My son, attend to my words, consent and submit, there's that word again, to my sayings. Let them not depart from your sight, keep them in the center of your heart. For they are life to those that find them, healing and health to their flesh. Keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard, for out of it flow the springs of life. Put away from you false and dishonest speech and willful and contrary talk put far from you. Let your eyes look right on with a fixed purpose and let your gaze be straight before you. Consider well the path of your feet and let all your ways be established in order to right. Turn not aside to the right hand or to the left. Remove your feet or foot from evil. Consider what you're about to do after you get that wall down before you do it again. Don't build it again. Consider it before you do it again. The New Living, verse 26 says, Mark out a straight path. For your feet. Then stick to the path and stay safe. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Glory to God. The way that you do that is by sticking to the word. That's the only way that you can. Let's stand up and thank God. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Thank you for your mercy to us. Father, I just ask you that each and every person in here tonight that's under the sound of my voice that heard this tonight sees truth, they see light, and they'll begin to make the changes that they've seen tonight, Father. I just ask you to reveal to their hearts all those things that's in their lives 
that need to change, that they need to discuss, that they need to come out with from their hearts and their souls, Father. Ask you now, Father, to show them how to get a clean slate and how to knock down that wall in their life, Father, so that they can build this hedge around their lives, Father, and that their lives be protected through you and that they're able to receive the blessings and the prosperity that you have desired for them for so long in their lives, Father, and the good paths for their lives. I ask you for it from the bottom of my heart now, Father, and I ask you to reveal it to them and give them the grace and the mercy and the strength to do the things that you've shown them tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.